Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kenar speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. apologize for being a little late, two or three minutes. Well, uh, last week's program was about Matthew chapter 24, and I'm just going to go over again the highlights of that chapter. I really think that Elohim is leading me to talk about these things because I just kind of sense that things are going to get really bad here in this world, and uh, we need to... um, so let's go to Revelation chapter 18. A scripture just popped in my mind here um, about Babylon. Now, Babylon, you know, exists in the area of Iraq today. And when you look up the word Babylon, the original Hebrew, for Babylon, it, it means confusion. And that's what God calls this world. We, our geopolitical system, our government structures, schools, everything is confusion and in revelation chapter 18 uh, verse 3 it states that for all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality now in this context sexual immorality means just not having the true god in your life okay and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. And so this is the description of Babylon, of this geopolitical, educational, governmental system and religious system. All those systems are against God, against uh, how God envisions us to live. And in verse 4, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. So if you truly love the true God of the Bible, you would have a desire to want to come out of her. That not you take part in her sins, that not you share in her plagues. So this is very important that you understand this, because the devil in Revelation chapter 12, what he has done, he is the creator of confusion. In verse 9 it says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He tricks the whole world. Again, the whole world is living in confusion. Confusion. We have been born into confusion. Let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 16. 
Jeremiah chapter 16. So Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 19. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold and refuse in the day of trouble to you shall the nations come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers have inherited nothing but lies. It's talking about our past generations. We have all been born into confusion with the exception of Jeremiah, who was born of the Holy Spirit in the womb, uh, Johanan the Immerser, John the Baptist, who was born from the Holy Spirit in the womb, and of course our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was born from the fullest of the Holy Spirit, from the Virgin Mary's womb. They have not been born into confusion. We have, each and every single one of us. That's what we must understand. And we must understand from the time that we're born, we are learning things that are wrong. And we don't know what's right and what's wrong. It takes a miracle of Elohim himself to draw us. Uh, in John chapter 6, John chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 44, John 6, verse 44, no one can come to me and is coming to the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, who is the literal word of God. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So the Father, again, the Father's role is so important on a spiritual plane as, as on a physical plane. And the Father draws you to the Messiah. And how does he do that? Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Because I get people telling me, well, I ain't going to listen to no man. Well, God says, no, you're going to listen to a man. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip them for the work of the ministry or service, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The Father draws you through Torah teachers. That's how he draws you to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of teaching or doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. What is truth according to the Bible? Psalm 119, verse 142. All the teachings of God is the truth, which uh, the Torah uh, is translated law in English in the, in the Old Testament. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way unto him who is the head into Christ. All right? So he works through men. He is always work through men. When, um, when you see in Exodus, I think it's Exodus chapter 19 or Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, the people told Moses, don't let God speak to us. So God was trying to speak to them personally, and they didn't want that, so he's worked through men, and he continues to work through men. He talks through men to talk to you. That's how it's done, folks. That's how it's done. 
And it's, and nobody, as far as I know, uh, today, uh, God is sitting down with them, opening the Bible and showing them uh, what's in the Bible. The Holy Spirit leads you into righteous men to teach you the scriptures. That is the way it's done. That's the way God prefers to do it. So we have to understand that, folks. We have to understand that. And in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. All right? So there is preaching involved. And I am one of the few true Torah teachers or ministers. And I can prove that to you. If you just listen to me and look up all the scriptures, you will understand that. Now, so we must come out of this system of Babylon, of confusion that most of us are born in. All right? And we must, and I did a whole series of the basic doctrines of God, which is found in Hebrews chapter 6. The first one is repentance from dead works. The second one is truth or trust in God or faith in God. The third one is the doctrine of washings. The fourth one is the laying on of hands. The fifth one is the resurrection of the dead. And the last one is eternal judgment. Please listen to those. Those teachings that I gave on Blog Talk Radio will give you the foundation to understand who the true God is. It will give you the beginning points. By all means, it's not exhaustive and it's not in detail. I'm hopefully, God willing, we'll be able to complete a book or booklet going over each of those, those uh, major doctrines of Elohim in detail. Okay, so Matthew chapter 24. Uh to go over the summary the, the that chapter the whole key to that chapter in Matthew chapter 24. The question that was asked. The question that was asked as he sat on the mount of olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, "Tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming?" And of the close of this age, this close of this age, in Galatians chapter 1, God, through Shaul, reveals that this age is evil. It's an evil age. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that this age is evil and that there's many, many wicked people in this world. And we can't, and we cannot... Uh, Ignore what God tells us about that. We can't do that. And we have to seek his will. We have to stop thinking that we know everything. There's a fellow Torah teacher, Brad Scott, that says God is smarter than us. Well, that's true. And that's why I study the Bible. And that's why I get into the Bible. Uh, in Galatians 1, verse 4, Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. This evil age, this age of man. And he stated here, uh, for many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And that's the first thing that came out of his mouth when he said, and they asked him, when will all these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the close of the age? And verse 4, And Jesus answered, And see that no one leads you astray. 
So that's the first thing that he was concerned about, deception. Deception. And he goes on, of course, about things that have happened uh, for nation. Verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pangs. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation, which, according to the Bible, is a three-and-a-half-year period, 42 months. Okay? And, and uh, verse 11, and many false prophets will rise and lead many astray, and because lawlessness will be increased and... Uh, Stern's translation has an excellent translation. It says, Torahlessness, not wanting to believe what the Bible says. The love of many will grow cold. That's a prophecy that has happened. The love of many, what is love? Love is keeping the commandments, Romans 13, verse 10. So the tendency of wanting to obey the commandments will grow cold, and that's what has gone on. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved, and this gospel will be preached around the world. It's a testimony of all nations. And then the end will come. And this gospel has not been preached around the world, and that's why the end hasn't come yet. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let them who are in the West Bank flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Shabbat, which proves that the, that the people of God in these end time will be keeping this, the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. And if those days have not been cut short, no human being will be saved. So, and I forgot to explain to you about the, the 1945, in here he talks about a generation that will see all these things. He was talking about the nuclear bomb generation that began in 1945 because uh, in verse 21 he says, For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. And if, if those days have not been cut, no human being will be saved. We did not get to that capacity until August 1945 with the detonation of Little Boy over Nagasaki. Or Hiroshima, rather. Or Hiroshima. So... As, as Harriet Truman stated, our president at that time, we tapped into the power of the universe. We tapped into the power of the universe. So we, at that time, had the capability, even then, to destroy every man, woman, and child on this earth, as Yeshua stated. So that began the nuclear bomb generation. And Psalm 90, verse 10, tells you that a man's years is 70, 80 if he's strong. So, based on that starting point, some people start with Israel, the formation of the nation of Israel. Regardless of where you start, if you add um, 70 years to 1948, you get year 2018. If you add 80 years to 2000, uh, I mean 1948, you get to uh, 1,002. Uh, I mean 2,228 years. So, give or take, based on the, the, uh, the, uh, the days of man's years, we have estimating, because I don't know, no one knows, but he wants us to estimate. He says, when you see all these things, know that it's near at the doors. So 2018 to 2028, it could be more than that. It could be further more years than that. I don't know. I, I'm just guessing, guesstimating. That's all I'm doing. But I know that this, these are the end times based on what's going on in the world today.
the way things are going. When we have our first gay president, uh, we have a lot of other things. Uh, according to Newsweek, they had a picture of Obama saying he's the first gay president because he said that two people of the same sex, they ought to get married. So no president has ever openly claimed that like Obama. So when 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 you have presidents of <laughs> nations like the United States saying that, you know that we are definitely in the end times. Um uh, and then verse 24, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you before, so if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far from the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay, and I want to point out something here, too, in verse 10. And he says, and, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. So, we are going to get to a point where even in families, uh, family members will betray one another. Family members won't take each other serious. Uh, you have one person keeping tour, you have another in the family not or not taking it serious. We'll have those type of occurrences in the end time. Uh, and, and Jesus prophesied that that would occur, that you would have these different factions within the family because some people want to keep tour and some people don't in families. And some people are pretenders and some people are believers. So that's something that he prophesied would occur. And then in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Many people think, including those who celebrate Christmas, they think that Yeshua came the first time to bring peace. He did not come to bring peace. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. In verse 34, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. And then he says in verse 37, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, or anyone else for that matter. Verse 38, And whoever does not take his cross, and it involves suffering. Many people say, well, why are you suffering? Why are you suffering? Well, because of what he said here in verse 38, And whoever does not take his cross, and follow me is not worthy of me. Okay? So to be worthy of Yeshua, we have to share in his sufferings, folks, even to the cross. If you're not willing to do that, then you are not a believer. You might as well get out there in the world and have fun. And then be prepared to be thrown in a lake of fire. Okay? Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's our spiritual worship, to be sacrifices, to suffer. Do not be conformed to this world. That's the problem with people who are not close to God like they should. They're conforming to the world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is a process of repentance. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is the way that we should all be living as human beings. And unfortunately, most human beings aren't living that way. So let's go back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. Then I'm going to go to Zechariah. I think I'm going to go to Daniel too. Daniel chapter 12. Okay. Verse 29. 
immediately after the tribulation of those days, in Matthew chapter 24, after the three and a half years, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all, then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. All right? And then he tells us from the fig tree, learn his lesson as soon as his branch becomes tender and puts out his leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that it is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, meaning that none of us can predict when he's going to come back, but we can estimate because First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 to 8 tells us that. All right, and it's in verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, meaning you, uh, the father gives his daughter to um, a suitable mate, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so were the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left, two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And then he, he gives us some parables here, and I hope you pay attention to this one. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom? His master is set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, which means we should be able to understand the times we're living in, that we should be able to estimate when he comes back, but not know exactly when he comes back. Uh, verse 50, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, so why would he say that unless he expects us to estimate? The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he, is, he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him in the hypocrites, with the hypocrites, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, meaning that his body and life will be destroyed. Okay, so that is Matthew chapter 24. Uh, let's go to Za oh, Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. Actually, Daniel chapter 12. And this goes hand in hand with the period of the tribulation. Uh, Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time shall Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, rise. And there shall be a time of trouble. Same uh, phraseology in Matthew chapter 24, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And verse 3, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, the book of this prophecy, 
until the time of the end. The time of the end is now, so this book is not sealed anymore. If you truly desire to want to understand it, you can. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase, which is a prophecy about the Internet and about knowledge itself in the 21st century. It's easy to get it. Knowledge has been increased. If you want to know about God, you can find out about the true God now over the Internet. Over the Internet. You can find out about the true God through me and through other Torah teachers. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on the bank of the other stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? In verse 7, And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, time, and half a time. Three and a half years, that's the period of the tribulation, uh, the, the, the period of great trouble. All right, And that, when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things will be accomplished. And I heard, but I did not understand. And I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until today, to the 21st century. Verse 10, many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined. So there's a lot of repenting that has to be gone on. Some, some people are pretending to be uh, Torah observant. Other people don't know how to be Torah observant. In any case, there's going to be many that will be purified through this process. But the wicked shall act, shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. And this means exactly what it says. If you want to continue to be wicked, if you're going to continue to think you know more than God, you're going to continue to think you're smarter than God, then he says that you, you're not going to understand. But those who are wise shall understand. So the wise, those who are the wise, those who uh, obey God's commandments, fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. And fearing God is hating evil in Proverbs 8, verse 13. What is evil? Any sin you commit is evil. Any sin. What is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law, the transgression of the Torah. Verse 11. And from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, which means that there has to be a temple, there's people going around preaching that there's just going to be an altar. Well, that's in direct violation of, of Revelation chapter 11. And also another scripture that I'm going to show you in Isaiah chapter 2. And the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, an abomination that makes desolate set up, there should be 1,290 days, around three and a half years. Blessed is he who waits and arrives after 1,335 days. So that means there's going to be some people who are going to be blessed to be able to be alive to wait to that time. But go your way to the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Okay, so that's the prophecy that goes hand in hand with Matthew chapter 24. Now, Zechariah. Let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14. Behold, in verse 1, Zechariah 14, Behold, a day is coming for the Lord, when the spoil taken from you will be divided in your midst. Verse 2. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. And you have people talking about that Jerusalem has to be divided and so forth to start the tribulation. This is not talking about the tribulation, folks. This is talking about that battle of Gog and Magog that's uh, in Ezekiel 38 and 39. 
That's what this is talking about. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle all the nations as Gog and Magog. And the city shall be taken, and the houses plundered, and the women raped. Um, that has not happened yet. Half the city shall go into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. As soon as half the city goes into exile, in verse 3, people say there's a gap between verse 2 and 3. There's no gap. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. So the day of the Lord is the literal day that Yeshua lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. It's going to happen on Yom Kippur, according to the holy day. All right? Verse 4, on that day his feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that one half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. And you shall flee to the, the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. And you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzzah, king of Judah. Then the Lord, my God, will come, and all the holy ones with him. So all the holy with him, holy ones with him, as Matthew chapter 24, verse 29 tells you, including the saints, will be with him when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. We will be all on the Mount of Olives at that day. Verse 6, on that day there shall be no light, cold, or frost, and there shall be a, this, this shall be a unique day, which is known to the Lord, neither day or night, but at evening there shall be light. On that day, living waters shall flow out of Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. And verse 9, on this particular day starts the rule of the eternal God on the earth. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. So there won't be other gods. Uh, Christianity won't be teaching that the Torah has been nailed to the cross. Uh, you won't have Buddhists. You won't have all kinds of other uh, religions that are false existing at this time. Verse 10. The whole land shall be turned into a plain from Gebe to Ramon, south of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem shall remain aloft on the site from the gate of Benjamin to the place of the former gate, to the corner gate, which means the temple is, is there, is, is built, and from the tower of Hanel to the king's wine press. And it shall be inhabited for there shall never again be a decree of utter destruction. Jerusalem shall dwell in security. And you know that ain't that's not they're not in total security like it's going to be described here. Now, verse twelve. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongues will rot in their mouths. This is the baptism of fire that he was talking about when he comes back. And I'm going to quote some other scriptures to, uh, to prove this to you. In Isaiah, and this is the, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be involved in the baptism of fire uh, when he comes back. I don't want to get burnt up. So, <laughs> And for that to happen, folks, we again, we have to, uh, believe what God says, and we have to stop thinking that that we're smarter than God, and we have to obey what He says in His words. And if we have any opinions, we better make sure that it agrees with His opinion, or we won't have an opinion to agree with. So, because we'll be uh, destroyed. So we, we're going to have to understand that we all got to get in our, our heads that God knows better than us. Isaiah chapter sixty-six, verse fifteen. For behold, the Lord will come in fire, 
and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger and fury and his rebuke or his correction with flames of fire. For by fire would the Lord enter into judgment, and by his sword with all flesh. And those slain by the Lord shall be many, unfortunately. And that's what that's talking about. And then in Malachi, and I end my program with this for good reason, to try to wake some of you folks up. Verse Malachi 4, verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, this is the day of the Lord, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. And it's talking about the people who are alive at this particular period of time when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. If they continue to try to oppose him, they will be annihilated. They will be burnt to a crisp. That's what he's talking about. Verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. Okay, so that's something that we, you know, if we're still alive and we still don't want to repent, we still think we know better than God, we still think we're smarter than God, we will be annihilated and destroyed. Verse 2, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. It's talking about the same day when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives. That's what will occur. And Matthew chapter 13, to back this up, Matthew chapter 13, the same event. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 44, I'm going to start in verse 36. Matthew 13, verse 36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. In verse 38, The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Verse 40, just as the weeds are gathered and burnt with fire, talking about the same thing here, so will it be at the close of the age. Verse 41, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. All people that hate the Torah, they think they know better than God, think they're smarter than God, got their own opinions and don't want to obey. Verse 42, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And I say the same thing. He who has ears, let him hear. He who wants to understand, let him understand. And the weeping and gnashing of teeth and all that is, let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 66. Verse 22. For as new heavens and a new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From, from, new, from new moon to new moon and from Shabbat to Shabbat, all flesh shall come to worship me, declares the Lord. So everyone's going to have to keep the commandments, folks. Verse 24, 
including the Sabbath and the Holy Days. Verse 24, And they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. Those who don't want to obey will be thrown in the, the valley of Gehenna and be weeping and gnashing of teeth and be destroyed. For their worm, that's the worm that's consuming their bodies, shall not die, because there will be so many bodies, obviously. Their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. This will be shown in Jerusalem. They will be in that valley, all the bodies laying there. And they shall go out and look on the dead body. So that it shows you that that's not the spiritual uh, Gehenna. It's, it's, it's a physical Gehenna, which is the Valley of Gehenna uh, in, in Jerusalem. And people will see all these dead bodies. And these are people that have refused and want to keep the new moon day and keep the Sabbath day and keep the holy days that are involved in that. It's very clear what, what it's showing here. Okay, and back in... Zechariah chapter 14. God is not playing, folks. You know, it's, we've got to get with the program here and stop thinking we know more than him. We've got to realize that he's right when he says that most of us have been born in, into corruption, we've been born into deception, and we have not had the truth of God preached to us. We all have to, I had to come to that realization. I humbled myself. In Matthew chapter 18, he says, you must become as a little child. You must be willing to learn. If you're not willing to learn, you think you know everything, you're going to be led. You're going to be misled by the devil. No matter how much you think you won't be, you will be. Now, Acts chapter 17, verse 29, being, being then God, it says, we are all God's children. And then in verse 29, being then God's offspring, Acts 17, verse 29, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked. He overlooked us. But now he commands all people everywhere to do teshuva, to repent, to change your mind, to purify your mind, as Romans 12, verse 1 commands us to do, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. I just told you about that day. That's revealed in Zechariah chapter 14. That's revealed in Joel chapter 3 and chapter 2. And righteousness by a man whom he's going to judge us by righteousness. He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, verse 32. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And people mocked me today talking about it. But others say we will hear you again about this. So, God, if you're hearing me and understanding what I'm saying, you have a responsibility to repent. You have a responsibility to change. Please listen to my programs and all, all the, the doctrines of God. Repentance of dead works. Trust or faith in God. The doctrine of washings. The laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, those are all the basic doctrines of God that are revealed in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. Please listen to that. That will start you on your journey toward Teshuvah, repenting, and coming close to the true God of the Bible. All right, back to Zechariah chapter 14. Zechariah chapter 14.
Everybody wants to have peace. But you're not going to have peace unless you learn how to love the Torah. Let me quote this scripture. I was quoting the scripture earlier. I'm going to quote it again. This popped in my mind here. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 165. Great peace. Not little peace, but great peace have those who love your law. So you have to love obeying God. You have to love being corrected. You have to love reading the scriptures and praying and have a relationship with God. That's how you're going to have peace. You're not going to have peace any other way, folks. I've tried it. It don't work. The only way is to is to get into the Bible and, and fellowship with God's true people, people that keep the Shabbat, keep the holy days, understand that all the commandments should be kept to the best of your ability, understand that the Sabbath has not been nailed to the cross, understand that the commandments have not been nailed to the cross. Those are the true believers of God. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. So, you know, he says that nothing can make you stumble if you love the teachings of God. But don't feel threatened every time God says something for you not to do something. Uh, verse, it's for your own good that he's telling you that. It's for, your, for my own good that he's telling me that. Verse 166, I hope for your salvation. And how do we hope for salvation? How do we hope for uh, eternal life? And he says, I do your commandments. So when you do the commandments of God, you're hoping for salvation, folks. You're hoping for salvation. Let's turn to Zechariah chapter 14. Talk about the wondrous coming of our Lord and Savior. Verse 4. No, uh, Zechariah 14, verse 13. And on that day a great panic from the Lord shall follow them, so that each will seize the hand of another, and the hand of the one will be raised against the hand of the other. Then Judah will fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the surrounding nations shall be collected, gold, silver, and garments in great abundance. And a plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beasts may be in those camps. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come up against Jerusalem, so there will be survivors, there's some people that will repent <laughs> and, and, and use their common sense that he's given each and every one of us. Shall go up year after year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of Sukkot of Booths, which is found in Leviticus chapter 23. The whole world will keep the feast. And if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them shall be no rain. So the family of Egypt can have their own opinion. They don't have to agree with God, but, hey, God's not going to agree with you, and he's not going to supply you with what you need to eat, okay? Verse 18, and if the family of Egypt does not go up and present themselves, then on them shall be no rain. There shall be the plague with which the Lord afflicts the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles, which is one of the holy days of God. This shall be the punishment to Egypt and the punishment to all the nations that do not go up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 20, And on that day there shall be inscribed on the bells of the horses holy to the Lord, and in the pots in the house of the Lord or the temple shall be the bowls before the altar. And every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holy to the Lord of hosts, so that all who sacrifice, the whole entire world is going to sacrifice. Got people telling me there's not going to be on sacrifice. They, don't not, they do not know what they're talking about. So that all who sacrifice may come and take of them and boil the meat of the sacrifice in them, and there shall no longer be a traitor in the house of the Lord of hosts on that day. On that day. 
So this is a tremendous prophecy. It pictures the coming of our Lord and Savior, and those who would strictly oppose him will be totally destroyed, folks. Uh, let's turn to Joel. Joel. Joel, chapter 3. The same picture of what's going to happen in Zechariah, chapter 14. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations, Gog and Magog, and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land, and have cast lots for my people, and have traded a boy for a prostitute, and have sold a girl for wine, and have drunk it. Verse 4. This is what's going to happen prior to him coming back. What are you to, to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your head swiftly and speedily. This is the God of judgment speaking here, not the God of mercy. Verse 5, you have taken my silver and my gold or my money, and have carried my rich treasures into your temples, not his temple, but their temples, their churches and whatever, okay? You have sold the people of Judah or the Jews and Jerusalem to the Greeks. Now, it's interesting that Greece is in the news a lot. Obviously, they're going to play a role in the end time. They're going to enslave Jewish people in the end time. And it says in verse 6, You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Verse 7, Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians, to a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. That's why I'm not concerned about people being against me, because he says vengeance is his. He will punish anybody, and I mean anybody, who is a Torah teacher or uh, is a believer in God and, and they're persecuted. He will punish that person for persecuting them. Just like he said, it's better that a millstone was thrown around their neck and tossed into a lake than they offend one of these little ones. So he means that. He certainly means that. And that applies to anybody. You better be careful when you treat anybody, but especially those who are keeping the Torah and doing the best they can to obey the commandments. If you mock them, don't take them serious. Treat them like crap. God's going to treat you like crap. All right, verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war, Job 3, verse 9. Proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. For war. Stir up the mighty man. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. That means that people that claim they're warriors in God's eye can be weak. Verse 11. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves together. Or, or gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Same situation again. For there I will sit to judge the surrounding nations. And I told you how he's going to judge the nations, folks. He's going to start burning people and destroying anyone that opposes his rule. Verse 13. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, thread, for the wine press is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. This is talking about all this wickedness that he's about to destroy. Verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, 
and the heavens and the earth quake, but the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. Verse 17, so you shall know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain, and Jerusalem shall be holy or set apart. That's what holy means. And strangers shall never again pass through it. Verse 18, and in that day the mountains shall drip sweet from wine, and these are strangers that are strange because they don't want to keep the Torah. He's not talking about strangers that want to uh, obey the Torah and keep the commandments. He's talking about people that don't want to obey God. Verse 18, in that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills shall flow with milk, and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water, and a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord, and the water, and the water the valley of Shittim. Verse 19, Egypt shall become a desolation in Edom, a desolation wilderness, for the violence done to the people of Judah, because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah shall be inhabited forever, or the Jews, and Jerusalem to all generation. I will avenge their blood. Blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion, which is another name for Jerusalem, folks. So, you know, this is very serious, and I want to read Isaiah chapter 2, because many people don't understand that God prophesied that it would be a temple in the end times. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days, the latter days are the days before the coming of the Messiah, that the mountain of the house of the Lord, that's Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. This is a prophecy telling us that the temple will be built in the last days, if you don't believe me. Go to the templeinstitute.org, templeinstitute.org. Look it up. They already have everything prepared to build the prophesied third temple so that the prophecies, the end-time prophecies, can be fulfilled. Okay, so come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he may teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes from many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares. The totally opposite of what Joel was saying, because he's going to fight these nations. And so they will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Okay? So that and this whole entire uh, chapter is about the day of the Lord. So the temple was built first, and then you have the calamity of the sacrifices being stopped, according to the prophecy in Daniel and Matthew 24, verse 15, uh, which is the abomination of desolation. And then the tribulation will begin, the last three and a half years. So the things to look for, number one, the temple, well, first of all, we're going to have a war. Probably World War III. I don't know what they're going to call it, but we're going to have a major war. Uh, we continue to have economic problems. Number two, the temple will be built according to the prophecies of the Bible. There's another prophecy I'm going to read to you. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar. You have people going around teaching incorrectly that there's just going to be an altar. Well, God says you don't know what you're talking about because it says here, rise and measure the temple of God 
and the altar and those that worship there. Again, God's word, not these other Torah teachers that don't know what they're talking about. Rise and measure the temple of God. God prophesied through the Apostle John that there will be a temple before the, the last three and a half years begins. Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar. Who are you going to believe? God's words or some man's words that's not backed up by Scripture? That's the question that each and every one of you need to answer for yourself. Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship therein. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. The entire city, not half the city. The tribulation begins with the entire city of Jerusalem is trampled. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, which is equivalent to three and a half years in sackcloth. So your Bible reveals that there will be a temple structure, a complete temple structure built before all these things occur. It is backed up by Revelation in chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, when Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, states, or Jesus, that's his English name, Matthew chapter 24, his Hebrew name is Yeshua, Matthew 24, verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, he, Yeshua, prophesied that there would be a temple structure. The holy place is a part of a built temple structure. Your Lord and Savior prophesied that there would be a temple. Who are you going to believe? Some man that's not making sense or Yeshua who makes sense every time he says something? That's something that you're going to have to, again, Make up your own mind to what you want to do. My job is not to make you believe. My job is to show you how you can believe if you choose to do so by looking at the scriptures and obeying the scriptures. But that is entirely up to you in reference to you obeying the scriptures. So I'm looking at a parallel scripture here about the temple. In Matthew, Mark chapter 13, verse 14, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, okay? So again, there's something that's going to be standing. Let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea. But the real key to this is what Yeshua stated. And then in Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, people don't want to take God's word seriously. Yeah, and he's talking about the same thing here. Paul, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way. Let no one trick you here. For that day will not come unless the rebellion, the day of the Lord, okay? Unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness or torlessness don't want to obey God or his laws is revealed the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. Again, the temple or house of God is prophesied to be built at this time. The tribulation is not going to begin until the temple is built according to the prophecies of the Bible. Thus says the Lord, not Kennard Brown. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. Again, 
the word that the Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 2, it shall come to pass in the latter days, these are the days before the coming of the Messiah, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. This is a prophecy to tell you that the temple of God will be built. And the templeinstitute.org is going to be used by God to build that temple. They already have almost everything they need. They have a golden menorah that I think is worth over, I think it's 200000 or $2 million, something like that. They have it right there near the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You have all the pictures there. They have all the Levitical priesthood ready to do it. They've already trained them to, get, to, to, to uh, do sacrifices. It's all there on the templeinstitute.org for you to see for yourself. Probably what will happen is some great war is going to happen to motivate them to build the temple. But the temple will be built. In Daniel 9, verse 24 to 27, it says the temple was built in troublous times. That's a prophecy. The temple will be built again in troublous times. So, I hope that you understand what's going to happen when Yeshua lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, that he's going to eradicate all opposition. Uh, when he lands his feet on the Mount of Olives, it will begin the millennium that, that's uh, talked about in Revelation chapter 20. And anyone that opposes him will be destroyed. Now, of course, based on their attitude, he's going to be merciful and so forth. But those who totally oppose him will be destroyed. And unfortunately, the Bible does predict there's going to be many people that's going to be wiped out when he comes back. Because they refuse, even seeing their Lord and Savior, to obey him. And, God, you know, he's going to come back, folks as a lion. He's not going to come back as a lamb the second time. He is not going to tolerate anyone not obeying him. That's what you have to understand. Psalm chapter 2 tells you that. And people don't understand it. They think Christ is going to come back. He's going to be a little lamb again. No, he's not. He's not going to be a little lamb. He's going to be a lion. And if you don't want to obey, you're going to be tossed in the lake of fire. Obedience is for our own good, folks. None of us know the way to life. And I'm going to be uh, cut off here in about eight seconds, but uh, I'm going to say something here that's important, so please continue to be on. Um, Psalm chapter 2. Well, what I meant was uh, <laughs> that the recording will um, um, record what I'm saying here. So Psalm chapter 2. This is important here. Verse 1 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. What is fear? Fear is hating evil, Proverbs 8, verse 13. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, that not he be angry, and you perish in the way. 
for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in them. Well, may God bless and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available to speak to you again from the Bible. And I hope that I've been a, uh, a help to you to understand the God of the Bible. Shalom. May God bless and keep you and protect you. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.